0: You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnak. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah chapter 11. In your Bibles, I want to uh, share a few thoughts tonight as we continue our series. It says in verse one, Jeremiah 11: the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant, and speak unto the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Curse it, be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice and do them. According to all which I command you, so shall ye be my people, and I will be your God. Lord, I pray that you would help us. We've uh, already prayed throughout this service uh, several times, but Lord, as I uh, prepare now to preach and teach your word, I need you to give me the words to say, and guide my thoughts and guide my mind, and I pray that you'd speak to my heart uh, behind this pulpit as you've spoken to my heart as I've studied for this Bible study last week, as I uh, began to study in California, and this week as I've studied here and uh, today in my office, behind my desk. Lord, you've, You've spoken to me and You've given me some truths that I needed, and I pray that You'd help me to relay those truths tonight from Your Word. I thank You that Your Word is alive. I thank You that Your Word has the answers to every problem. And Lord, it's so simple. If we would just do what your word says, our lives would be so much better. Forgive us for our disobedience, but I pray you'd help us to uh, follow you and to trust and obey your word and your way for our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice in verse number one that God had a word. God had a message. God had something For Jeremiah, notice what it says in verse one, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, now we've seen that phrase or something similar already a lot in the book of Jeremiah, but I want you to, this evening, I want you to imagine that there was a blank in verse one. There's not a blank. I understand that. But what if that verse said, the word that came to Chuck Harrison? What if that said the word that came to Mike Sewell? The word that came to Ralph Brown? The word that came to George Cole? What if your name, what if your name was in that verse? You would be, you'd be sitting up. You'd be listening. You'd be paying attention. You'd say, I don't want to miss this. God's got a word for me. Well, friend, I got good news for you. This whole book's for you. This whole book is for me. Everything in it from cover to cover, it is for you. There's no accidents. There's no misprints. There's no mistakes. There's no blunders. This book is the inspired, the preserved, the inerrant, the infallible word of God for you and for me today. And boy, so many times we read it as if, oh, that was the Old Testament, or that was for somebody else, or that was, no, no, it's for you, and it's for me. It's all profitable and helpful and practical for us today. So let's see what God has for us. Verse number two, hear ye the words of this covenant. God is speaking to his people through Jeremiah, and he says, I want you to hear the words of this covenant. Covenant. Now, number one, i give you an outline. I won't, I won't uh, belabor this point. But number one, we see the covenant. A covenant that God made with His people. Now, a covenant literally means a compact. It's a, it's a pledge. It's an allegiance. It's an agreement that is made between two parties. Now, God made a covenant. He made a promise. He made a pledge to His people. And he made a pledge to them. Now, there were some things that they needed to uphold on their end if they were going to experience God's blessing. But God promised that he would bless them and he would do some things on his end if they would fulfill theirs. Now, let me just remind you, if I came to Brother Mike and I said, hey, Brother Mike, if you'll help me with this, I'll help you with this. I don't know that that'd be a fair trade because Mike would be a whole lot more talented than I am, but but, but we both could have maybe something to offer, right? I mean, we both could have something we could do for the other. But friend, I want to tell you, the fact that God would make a promise or make a covenant with us and we had nothing to offer Him. There was nothing good in us. There was nothing good in me or you, but yet God saw something in us that He said, I love them so much. I'm going to send my son to die on a cross. Aren't you glad for the covenant? Aren't you glad for the pledge? Aren't you glad that God keeps his end of the bargain? Aren't you glad God keeps his promises? He will not break his oath that he has made with his people. That This is Old Testament, I understand. But I'm glad God made a promise with us in the New Testament. And God said this, and he will keep his end of the bargain. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Aren't you glad that God keeps that promise? Aren't you glad that God told us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we will confess our sin, if we'll take care of our end, God said that he would be faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? I'm glad God keeps his end of the bargain. I like this one, and uh, as of last, um, last Thursday, I think it was last Thursday, I forget what day I started preparing for this. Probably was Thursday. I forget which day. I did not know at that time that we would have two funerals coming up. But John 14, Jesus made a covenant. Jesus made an agreement. He made a pledge. He made a promise, and he said, In John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. I'm glad that God keeps His promise. We're looking forward to that promise. We're looking forward to the coming. We're looking forward to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. He has made a covenant with us. He made a covenant with His people in Jeremiah 11. Number two, I see the curse. The curse is mentioned in verse number three. It says, Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. There is a curse for disobedience. There is always a blessing for obedience, but there's always a curse for disobedience. But let me ask you this question tonight. You and I, we have been given a covenant. God has made a promise with us. God has made an agreement with us, and God's going to keep his end. But why would we not want to obey God? I mean, think about that. Why would you want to disobey God? Why would I want to disobey God after all that he has done for us? uh, How how little does it seem that we would just just do what God has told us to do? And by the way, God doesn't give us commands because he wants to make our lives miserable. You're not going to obey the commands of God and have a miserable, terrible, awful life. God gives us commands because He wants to protect us. He wants to help us. He wants to bless us. He does it for our own well-being. But the curse, God loves you. He loves me. Why would we want to disobey Him? Number three, we see not only the covenant and the curse, but number three, we see the command, verse four. Obey my voice, God says, and do them. According to all which I command you, so shall ye be my people." and I will be your God, the command. Now we can choose, we're offered a choice, we can choose whether or not we're going to obey God. I can't can't twist your arm, Uh, nobody can twist your arm and make you do what God wants you to do. And even God himself, although he could make you, he doesn't, he gives you free will, doesn't he? He gives us the opportunity to choose whether or not we're going to obey or disobey. We have a choice. But notice with this, God's command. This is not optional. You say, well, I thought we had a choice. You do. But if you disobey, if I disobey, there are some consequences. There are some negatives that God says, if you disobey, there is a curse. There is something that will accompany that disobedience. But the command is given. It's not optional. God's. It's not. You know. You can have. You know. Um, you can have a Snickers bar, or you can have a Milky Way. You know. That's not what we're talking about. Those aren't the choices. It's good or evil. It's right or wrong. It, it, it's it's uh, obeying God or disobeying God. That's the command that's given to obey. Notice number four. It's found in verse seven. I see the call to obey. It says in verse 7, for I earnestly protested unto your fathers in the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, even unto this day, rising early and protesting, saying, obey my voice. Now, we use that word protest, and we think of a negative, like someone standing up with a sign, you know, "Uh, I'm protesting this, I don't agree with this, and I don't, but that's not what this word means. This word protest, it literally means to exhort or encourage. And you know what God did? God sent some prophets. And God sent some messengers to his people to encourage them to obey. And to exhort them to obey. And to say, hey, friend, you want to obey God. Because you know what? It's so much better when you do it God's way. It is so much better when you just do what God says. It's so much better when you don't fight against God. It's so much better when you don't try to buck the authority of God and the word of God and you just do what he's commanded you. I'm thankful that we have in this church, we've got some men and we've got some women who are encouragers. You know, I've been in some places, I've never been members of these churches, but I've been in some places where I thought, I'm not so sure a backslidden person would feel very comfortable coming in. Now, I'm not saying that if someone's backslidden, I'm not saying they should feel comfortable under the preaching, but I think a backslidden person ought to always feel comfortable on the pew with the people next to them. And I think they ought to always feel comfortable from a pastor before and after the service that says, hey, we're glad you're here. And we love you. And we're praying for you. And man, we're so thrilled that you're here. And I think we ought to be encouraging people. I don't think people need to come to church and feel like that everybody is looking down on them. And everybody thinks they're better than that person is. Because friend, I want to remind us, except for the grace of God, that could be us. And that still might be you. And that still might be me. And that might be our kids. And that might be our grandkids. Except for the grace of God. We need some people that will encourage and exhort one another to do what's right and to say, hey, you want to obey God. I'm glad I did obey God, or maybe there was times where I didn't obey God, but I'm glad I'm on the right track and I'm glad I'm serving God. And there's no greater life than serving God. I'll get to it in a minute, but what people don't need is to walk in the church and to hear the criticism. Well, I tell you, this church, if they just get it right, they haven't changed the color of these walls in nine years. Oh, can you believe it? Friend, I want to tell you, there's, we, got, we got bigger fish to fry than you know, you know, getting the color just right every 10 years or however often we'll do it. I wanna tell you, there's souls that are, that, are, that are needing the gospel. There are young people that need our love and our prayer and there's people that need the Lord and there's missionaries going to a mission field and there's teenagers that need to be reached and there's, there's families that need to be salvaged and I don't want people coming in the doors of the church and all they hear is, did you hear about so-and-so? I tell you what, I can't believe this church. We, we used to get out at noon. We've been getting out at 12, 10 lately. We've been late in the lunch line for three weeks in a row. Friend, I want to tell you, that's probably not going to encourage people to come back when they're thinking, they're upset about that. Wow, hard group to please, huh? Can I tell you, we need people that will encourage. There's a call to obey and encouragement to obey. Number five, we've already talked about it. There's consequences for not obeying. Verse number eight, yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ear, but walked every one in the imaginations of their evil heart. Therefore, God says, I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did them not. There are consequences. Notice verse number 11. It says, Thus saith the Lord, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. Verse 12, Then shall the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem go and cry unto the gods whom they offer incense, but they shall not save them at all in the time of their trouble. Verse 13, According to the number of thy cities were thy gods. They had a different god for every city. And according to that number and according to the number of the streets of Jerusalem, they set up altars uh, to that shameful thing, even altars to burn incense unto Baal. Therefore, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. You know what the consequences were? Because God's people would not obey, there came a point where God said, It's time to open up the floodgates of judgment and there's no holding back. You know how that works. You can extend grace, and you can extend mercy for a time, but there comes a point in time where you say, I've tried to be as graceful, I've tried to be as merciful as I possibly can, and there comes a point where a holy and just God will say, I've been long-suffering, I've given you chance after chance, after opportunity, after time, after time, and you have not obeyed, and eventually... It's like in the story of Noah. Noah preached for 120 years. And, God's, and those people had the opportunity to accept God's call and they had the opportunity to get on that ark. But the day came when that door got shut. and When that door got shut, the consequences were devastating for those people that would not obey God. There are consequences for our actions. But notice number six. We'll go back to verse number nine. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto me, A conspiracy is found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They are turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers, which refused to hear my words, and they went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. Number six, there's a conspiracy A conspiracy literally means an alliance, but in this case, it's an alliance of treason. It's turning their back on God. And these people, this wasn't just a casual uh, 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 falling away or a drifting away. They got to a point where they made up their mind and they said, we're not going to worship God. We are going to worship God false gods. We are going to worship our idols. We are going to worship Baal, which I love that in verse number 13. God says that shameful thing. Friend, you and I ought to be ashamed of ourselves if we're not worshiping God. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves when other things take the place of God after God loved you and after God saved your soul and after the blessings of God. And then that we would go and worship things that cannot help. Notice verse number 14 again. You can cry in in your time of trouble, but those things aren't going to help. Those things aren't going to hear you. Those false gods aren't going to answer your prayer. But there was a conspiracy. Verse number 17, Jeremiah said, The Lord of hosts hath planted thee and pronounced evil against thee for the evil of the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which they have done against themselves. You know, when we get away from God and when judgment comes, there's nobody else to blame but the person in the mirror. It's our own fault. We did it to ourselves. And maybe there's some things in your life that you look back on, and maybe it's a, maybe it's a financial decision, or maybe it's a, a purchase, and you say, oh, man, what a mess. But you say, eh, it's not anybody else's fault but mine. You know, I blew it. And you can, you can deal with those things. But I don't want to look back and say, why did I make the foolish decision to stop worshiping God? Why did I make the decision to get away from God? Why did I, why did I allow myself to get to the point where I'm not even worshiping God anymore? Say, oh, that couldn't happen to us. Well, we saw a missionary video in a place where they thought it would never happen to them, in the place where the great revivals of yesteryear took place. The place that was once sending missionaries out all over the globe is now a graveyard for churches, is now a place where the gospel is very, very foreign and where the gospel is not known. It could happen to anybody. The consequences, the conspiracy. Then I see in verse number 18, Jeremiah says this, says, and the Lord hath given me knowledge of it and I know it. Then thou showest me their doings. Jeremiah said, I, I, I know what's coming. I can see what's coming. I know the judgment's coming. And uh, many times I think as pastors and preachers, and as parents, isn't it amazing sometimes how you can see it coming for your children? And you try to tell them and you try to warn them, but after you've done all you can do, you just have to say, okay, well, I've tried to tell you. But it, God gives you that that foresight, does he not? God gives you that vision. And and Jeremiah, he saw it coming. He said, I saw it and I, I knew what was gonna happen. Verse number 19, but Jeremiah says, but I was like a lamb or an ox that is brought to the slaughter. Well, wait a minute. Why was Jeremiah feeling that way? He was the good guy, right? He said, I knew not that they had devised devices against me saying, let us destroy the tree with the fruit thereof and let us cast him off from the land of the living that his name may be no more remembered. It's interesting how Jeremiah, he was the enemy. He was the bad guy for telling the truth. Verse 20, but O Lord of hosts, thou judgest righteously that triest the reins and the heart. and let me see thy vengeance on them, for unto thee have I revealed my cause. Jeremiah says, Lord, you know all about it, and you're going to have to take care of it. Notice verse 21. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, of the men of Anathoth, that seek thy life. What does that mean? These were the hitmen. These were the guys that wanted to kill Jeremiah. You say, well, Anathoth, what kind of prison is that? Uh, what kind of a state penitentiary is that? It's not, it's a city. Go back with me to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 1. You'll see that city found. It says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Guess where Anathoth was? was Jeremiah's hometown. And the people from his hometown were out to kill him. Because he was such a bad guy? No, the opposite. Because he preached against their sin and because he told them the truth. They were out to destroy him saying, uh, prophesy not in the name of the Lord that thou die not by our hands. And say, don't you preach in the name of God anymore. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword, their sons and their daughters shall die by famine, and there shall be no remnant of them, for I will bring evil upon the men of Anathoth, even the year of their visitation. I'll close with this. Jeremiah is persecuted. He is attacked. He is threatened from people from his hometown, and God pronounces a very serious judgment against those people. I'll say this, and I've got some references I'll, I'll let you look at later. I won't have you turn to all of them. But I'll say this, it's a very dangerous thing to attack those whom God has appointed to preach and to teach the Bible. I'm so, so thankful for our church. And I know Wednesday night, this is cream of the crop. I'm thankful for the home where I grew up. I I, I heard preachers talk about this, but I never experienced it in my home. My dad was a Christian school teacher for 20 years before he became a pastor. And so there was a time where my dad was not the pastor. And we would go home on Sundays after uh, morning service and we'd go home Sundays after evening service and we'd go home Wednesday nights. We never, I promise you, we never got in the car, we never got home, we never sat around the dinner table and criticized the preacher. We just didn't do it. You say, well, it's probably because your dad always agreed with the preacher. I don't think he always did 100% of the time. I don't think you agree with the preacher 100% of the time. But can I tell you this? It's a dangerous thing to do. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, 17, that we are to obey them that have the rule over you. The Bible says, because they watch for your souls. A pastor is watching for your soul because a pastor is supposed to give account. He say, well, I just won't have a pastor then. Well, then you will be violating scripture by not going to church and by, not, uh, by forsaking the assembling and by not being a part of God's plan. You need a pastor. So, say, what if I don't like the pastor I have? Well, first of all, I'd ask the Lord, is there something in my life that's not right? And once you feel like everything's right in your life, if you don't like the pastor you've got, I would, I would, I'd, move, I'd move a thousand miles away if I had to. I'd give up a good job. I'd give up a beautiful home. I would move my family to a place where I could be supportive of a pastor who stood up week after week and preached the word of God. That's what I would do. i tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't sit around the table, and I wouldn't sit around the coffee shop, and I wouldn't sit uh, over at at the, uh, the ball field, and I wouldn't criticize a preacher. You say, but what about, I know something. Yeah, I do too. But I'll tell you this, God takes care of his man. And if a pastor does something that is illegal or something that is immoral, that absolutely needs to be dealt with. And there's ways that you should deal with that. But I'm talking about, well, I think he was preaching too hard about that. Or I don't agree with the way he did that. I'd be very careful about it. I'll close with this. I don't don't believe you should attack the man of God. I think you ought to talk to him. I think you ought to pray for him. I think you ought to encourage him, encourage his family, and be a a blessing to his wife. And I think you ought to look for ways that you can uh, take care of him because the way that you take care of the man of God will be the way that God takes care of you. But I had a conversation here in the last week, and I won't tell you with whom. It's not somebody that comes to our church. But and I, I knew what I was preaching tonight, and I could not believe what this person told me. He said, uh, he said you know, he said, Pastor, he said, um, I was very, very disappointed years ago. I was very disappointed because I was going to a church, and I saw how the members of that church treated The pastor, and I think when people do get hurt or people do see things like that, I I think we need to work through it. I absolutely. I'm not saying that you know if something happens that you know that's your excuse, but I'm saying this: that ought not be the way that God's people do things. God's people, we ought to be encouraging and supportive of the pastor. We ought to be encouraging and supportive of the Sunday school teacher. Uh, Miss Odell is in here tonight. and um, She has taught now for three years. She has taught Lacey and Savannah in that Sunday school class. They love Miss Odell. And my wife and I, we love Miss Odell. And we have not and we will not. But even if, if we didn't agree with something that Miss Odell was teaching in the class or the way she was doing it, I'll tell you one thing, the worst thing we could ever do is tell our girls, say, well, you know, we really don't agree with that i tell you that's not helping anybody you know what a sunday school teacher needs A sunday school teacher needs people that'll pray for her pray for him a sunday school teacher needs children that don't hear negative at home from mom and dad and don't hear negative on the way home from church and a, a, a sunday school teacher needs a class class that are supportive and encouraging brian and jennifer do the junior church on sundays and uh, the girls come back and i'm telling you It's unbelievable the stories we hear about junior church. I mean, if if you only knew some of the stuff we heard from junior, no, no, I'm just kidding. It's awesome. And the reports we hear are, we love junior church. We love our Sunday school class. And I'll ask them, I'll say, what'd you learn? And about 20 minutes later, they're still going from all the stuff they learned from Sunday school and from junior church and master clubs and pastor's pals. And you know what our children need? They need a mom and dad that won't be tearing down the pastor and tearing down the teachers and tearing down the deacons and tearing down the ushers and tearing down the church members. They need someone that'll be encouraging. They need someone that'll be positive. They don't need, we don't need any more people like the men of Anathoth saying, we're gonna kill that guy. We need some people that'll say, we're gonna pray for that guy and we're gonna love that person and we're gonna help that person. We're gonna, together as a team, we're gonna see God bless A ministry and use a ministry to reach a city and reach a community and reach the world with the gospel. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. For more information about our ministry please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.